Brian Koberger is on his way to Idaho, and if he's not there already by the time this video goes up, and guess what? His defense team is already going to work. SBF says not guilty. Oh, and I'm sorry. Uh, may need to get one of those super safe Teslas next time I drive it off a cliff. A story of a good Samaritan to make us feel good about the first of the year. And then finally, our dumb criminal of the day. No better way to ring in the new year than in a felony assault charge. Let's talk about it. Good day, everyone. My name is Scott Reich, and this is Crime Talk. Thanks for joining us. It is January 4th of 2023, our first show of 2023. And you say, but why, Scott? Why were you not here January 1st, the 2nd, 3rd? Well, guess what? That lawyer stuff got in the way. It got in the way because I had to go appear in court, other side of the state, travel, snow, miss the live missed our patreon show my apologies i will make it up to you in the future that i will all right you know the drill subscribe if you haven't like if you do leave me a message below and remember to hit that little bell for notifications and remember you can listen to us on any of your favorite podcasting apps just simply search crime talk with scott reich okay let's go ahead and open the docket first Quadruple murder suspect Brian Koberg has started his extradition process back to Idaho, actually having left Pennsylvania about 6 a.m. this morning. Let's face it, they were going to put him on a nice, comfy airplane. And if he's not back into Idaho by the time this video goes up today, he will be there shortly. We do know that he left the Monroe County Correctional Facility after he waived extradition yesterday in his hearing and he is expected to be taken to the county jail there in uh, Moscow, Idaho. Now, apparently Mr. Koberger uh, mouthed, I love you to his mom while uh, he was in the courtroom and his sister was also there comforting his mom. And um, what we do know is that the uh, warden, a guy by the name of Gary Hadel, confirmed that Koberger is no longer in their custody and he is on the move. It's understood that Mr. Koberger will be transported via plane back to Idaho, arriving today. And somewhat surprisingly, the court in Idaho, sua sponte, which is a fancy Latin word that means on their own motion, basically, uh, issued a gag order for the Moscow police and the legal teams in regards to this case, barring anyone linked to this case about talking about the case. Now, the uh, prosecutor, Bill Thompson, said that once he, Mr. Koberger, gets there, he'll have an initial appearance with their magistrate. The affidavit will be unsealed, so we'll be, be able to get the information that we believe is going to show what evidence they have, the strength of the case, and clearly evidence to establish probable cause because a judge signed the order. But the question will be, will it be enough to prove the case beyond a reasonable doubt? Now, I have spoken to some people that represent to me that they are familiar with the case. And they're clearly going with the theory that Mr. Koberger was angry and upset because Ms. Gonsalves, or perhaps one of the other young ladies, uh, rebuffed some advances. And that they really wanted this car 
because although they believe it had already been detailed shortly after the killings, that they're hoping to find some blood DNA evidence, hopefully within one of the crevices of the floor mats or something along those lines. Take that for what it's worth. The person that I spoke with seemed credible, but we'll never know exactly until the affidavit is unsealed to see what they have uh, for evidence against Mr. Koberger. Now, um, obviously, Mr. Koberger will get counsel when he arrives. And guess what? He's already stated that he is uh, indigent. His parents have stated that they don't have the resources to defend their son in a quadruple homicide. And therefore, the public defender's office there in Idaho is going to work. And apparently, there is a five-person strong team of investigators uh, that works for the public defender's office or were privately retained, um, and they already have gone to the house where the slayings took place. Now, some people are saying, oh, that's unusual for the defense attorneys uh, paid by the state to uh, uh, reconstruct the crime scene or go to the crime scene. No, it's not. No, it's not. Um, hire crime scene reconstruction people, not on every case, but a big case, certainly something you look into. And clearly, if you can get access to the house, the crime scene in this particular situation, before it's been released, before the reclamation process uh, takes place in the house, the cleaning, uh, the removal of rugs, etc., that is a benefit to the defense. They can take their own uh, photographs. Maybe there's something that the prosecution overlooked. Pretty unlikely in a case like this, but you assume nothing in a homicide investigation. And I mean that. It's the best way to operate. Assume nothing. If somebody says they saw A, you go talk to them to make sure they really saw A, and you go ask them how certain they are. You go to the crime scene. That's the best way to get a feel for any case. I've said this before, and I will say it again. Any good attorney knows most cases don't turn on the law where you're like, oh, the statements are going to get thrown out. The search is going to be thrown out. It usually comes down to who can find the best facts. And Mr. Koberger's public defenders are already uh, on the move at the property there on King Road. Now, let's be clear. Some people are going to say, oh, it's a public defender. Don't ever say that. I'm telling you, some of the best attorneys I've ever seen have been public defenders. Some of the best I've ever seen have been private practice. Some of the worst attorneys I've ever seen have been public defenders, and some of the worst attorneys I've ever seen have never been a public defender in their life. It just depends. But the public defenders that stick around, the ones that are there for the long haul, not getting paid an exorbitant amount of money, having cases stacked up a mile high, literally could be carrying 150 cases at any given time. They are the true believers. They're not there for the money. They're making sure that people's constitutional rights are being protected. So let's make sure everybody, nothing better in a good case than good lawyering taking place. So that's good. And if there's a guilty verdict, all the better. Why? Because if they've had strong, effective, competent counsel, then post-conviction relief is not going to be an issue down the road. This investigation team um, uh, from the public defender's office apparently spent about 45 minutes in the home today taking uh, video footage both inside and out. Four of the investigators ultimately left the property, but somebody believed to be a crime scene reconstructionist remained, which just simply mean they're probably taking a few more notes and uh, diagrams, but it's all been photographed. Uh, measure documented. It's all going to be turned over by the prosecution as well. 
So uh, they'll get it all anyway. So like I said, the affidavit for arrest warrant should be unsealed uh, shortly after uh, Mr. Uh, Koberger appears in court. So we'll get to see what they have. Now, one of the uh, first assistant district attorneys confirmed that they believe Koberger is desperate to return to Idaho to find out the affidavit's contents. Well, I mean, certainly if you've been accused of a homicide involving four individuals, you'd probably be a little curious to know what evidence they're claiming as to why you did it. Uh, that comment may have been one of the reasons why the judge on their own issued a gag order. You can't go ahead and comment like that. Oh, he's so eager to find out what's going on. That's, uh, I don't know, that's like ethics 101 in that regard. So as we do know, Mr. Koberger, uh, who was this graduate student, was driving across country with his father. And um, we also know that it was confirmed that he had been pulled over twice for driving too close uh, to a car in front of them in Indiana. We put up the body cam footage. You can see here uh, that he is in the car with his dad on December 15th on I-70 just outside of Indianapolis. During the stop, Koberger's father appears concerned that the officer asks for his license and registration. I don't know if I'd read too much into that. You know, you're kind of just curious as to why, what's going on. Anyway, um, a sheriff's deputy had stopped him earlier the same day uh, for following too close. Uh, investigators apparently started tracking Koberger's movement across the United States with witnesses claiming that they saw both him and his father getting repairs done. Hmm? Possibly a detail on the car, perhaps. Hmm. We'll have to see how that information pans out. Now, I'm going to take a guess. I somehow don't think that he was randomly pulled over for following too closely or speeding, anything along those lines, as it relates to him going across country. Uh, I've had many clients that have engaged in some alleged criminal activity that randomly get pulled over. Who would have thought? What a coincidence. I somehow think it will come out throughout the process in discovery that they were not just randomly pulled over. Just saying. What are the odds? I don't believe in coincidences like that. Uh, it could have been when they were asking for his license to see if, you know, maybe they could perhaps swab it, perhaps? Who knows? We will have to wait and see. Now, the other thing that's going to take place here is that everybody that's ever known Mr. Koberger, and you've seen it all, the neighbors who are shocked, the kid who went to high school with him, he said he was mean to him, they're all popping out of the woodwork. Generally, guess what? Don't care. Don't care. Why? Because it's not relevant whatsoever. Unless you can show that Mr. Koberger has maybe killed four other people with a knife, as he's alleged to have done here, then it would potentially be relevant under 404B evidence, but otherwise don't care. Not important, not uh, going to be admitted in court whatsoever. I know everybody's looking for a story in this particular case, but the guy that he was mean to in sixth grade um, really don't care. Not relevant. Nobody should care. Just saying. If I offended somebody, I'm sorry, but don't care. Now, there have been reports that apparently Mr. Koberger, even while back in Pennsylvania, was walking around wearing gloves everywhere he went. And of course, the speculation is that he was trying not to leave any DNA or fingerprints anywhere. 
you know, so like when he was done drinking out of the glass, somebody could come and take the glass and get the DNA, maybe to test it as it relates to potentially known sample or a family genealogical DNA test. So they could kind of work backwards and see if he is a potential suspect. Just saying, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff going on right now. Let's wait for the real facts to come out. Next on the docket, one of my least favorite individuals, Sam Bankman-Fried has pled not guilty. Uh, and he did that yesterday. And it relates obviously to the charges where he's alleged to have cheated investors out of uh, money as it relates to the now bankrupt FTX cryptocurrency exchange, which have caused billions of dollars in losses and in what prosecutors have called an epic fraud. Now, he entered a plea in Manhattan Federal District Court, where he faces eight criminal counts, including wire fraud and money laundering. I would anticipate a superseding indictment with more charges coming soon. We'll wait and see. Probably depends on whether there's going to be a plea worked out, and if not, a superseding indictment will be coming down. So old SBF is obviously accused of looting uh, customers' funds uh, in their deposits to support his Almeda Research hedge fund, which he used to buy real estate and donate millions of dollars to political causes. Uh, customers were also used and laundered through political donations, charitable donations, and a variety of venture investments, according to the federal prosecutors in court. Hmm. I wonder who they were money laundering money through to get to political people. Oh, that's right. That's all the charges relating to the campaign finance stuff. That ought to be interesting. The government also suggested that they have a lot of evidence against Mr. Sam Bankman-Fried, and the prosecutors are going to turn over hundreds of thousands of documents in the coming weeks. Now, obviously, this is an arraignment. I am old school. I believe that the prosecution should have had those documents to hand over to the defense attorney today, and um, they could get to work on that. Now, the judge has set a trial date for October 2nd, which could apparently go for at least four weeks. Now, in the federal system, once you say not guilty, they got 70 days really to get you to trial under the um, Speedy Trial Act. So there apparently also had to have been some sort of ends of justice continuance which would have been granted by the court so that uh, this trial could actually go in October. Otherwise, it should go, you know, mid-March, April timeframe. So we'll have to wait and see. Chances are that that trial date will not go either, either A, because there'll be a plea, or two, the defense is going to say that they're going to need more time. I would say if the defense is going to go to trial on this one, go as quickly as possible. I don't think the facts are going to get any better anytime soon. And what a good way to pressure the government into uh, seeing who blinks first. What's a bad fact for uh, Mr. Sam Bankman-Fried is that the government's already uh, secured a couple of guilty pleas from uh, Mr. Bankman-Fried's top associates over there at Almeda, his former girlfriend, Caroline Ellison, and the chief technology officer, Gary Wang who's cooperated with prosecutors and more than likely is going to testify against all SBF. Now, Mr. Bankman-Fried didn't really say anything. His attorneys did all the talking today, which is quite normal. But apparently he shook the hands of one of the prosecutors before the arraignment. Always nice to reach out. That goes probably to the narcissistic tendencies that he thinks that he can somehow work this guy over. 
because he thinks everybody is stupid. And why shouldn't he? He looted billions of dollars from everybody and uh, basically almost got away with it. Now, when the hearing was over, he apparently also went over to the uh, courtroom sketch artists because they don't allow cameras in federal court, and uh, he commented on their work. Here's a couple of pictures of it. You tell me. Is it a good, good likeness? I don't know. Well, SBF, he faces 115 years in prison. Probably not going to get that. Let's be realistic. But, you know, 20 to 40 years, I think, ought to do the job. But he's been very apologetic, saying that he's sorry. Next on the docket, I think I need to get me one of those Teslas. They're apparently pretty safe. So Pasadena doctor has been charged with attempted murder for the, his wife and their two young children when he intentionally drove their Tesla off a side of a mountain, a cliff, a 250-foot drop. That's right. Take a look at this. And they survived. Now, Dharmesh Patel, he is a radiologist at the Providence Holy Cross Medical Center. <laughs> well, probably not anymore. Uh, but during his uh, trip, he is accused of intentionally driving his wife's Tesla Model Y off a cliff uh, known as Devil's Slide Monday near San Francisco. And all four people survived, including Dr. Patel. His wife, Nea, and their kids, aged four and seven, survived without any injuries. Say what you may about Mr. Musk, but apparently he knows how to build one hell of a car. Not a big fan of electric cars, but you can go off a 250-foot cliff and survive. Definitely got to be in the top of those insurance safety ratings. Just saying. Anyway, Mr. Patel uh, has been charged with attempted murder. And uh, obviously, it's an attempted murder-suicide gone wrong. At least we hope. I, I don't think he was going to attempt to get out. Anyway, he's, just, he's not been formally booked because he is still in the hospital with some minor injuries. After 250-foot drop? I mean, he's not a stupid guy, right? He's a doctor. You would think he thought he was going to get away with it and kill everybody. And they survived. That's crazy to me. Crazy. Um, I don't know if he should be charged or given the dumb criminal award. I don't know. But he's getting, he's getting close. Obviously, he needs to be charged. You can't go around killing people because you're feeling a little blue. Next on the docket, how about a good Samaritan story? That's right. A young Memphis woman was grabbed by two men during an apparent kidnapping before an armed Good Samaritan jumped in and rescued the young woman. Now, the attempted abduction took place Friday night around 8 p.m. in the parking lot of an upscale shopping center at the Shops of Saddle Creek located in West Farmington Boulevard there in Memphis. Two men ambushed the blonde-haired woman as she was stepping into the driver's side of her dark SUV. She apparently sustained some minor injuries, and you can see the video shows the woman trying to fight off her attackers as the two thugs wearing dark hoodies leapt out of the car uh, that was parked alongside her and tried to detain her in the attack. Now, in the corner of the uh, camera footage here, a man with a gun is seen holding up the weapon as he confronts the uh, young hoodlums, and the woman is able to escape. The assailants were last seen driving northbound in a silver four-door car that had a third suspect inside, according to the Germantown police. The getaway car was described as a silver Ford Focus. Germantown Police Department's public information officer, Captain Kevin Simpson, confirmed that they are still looking for the three suspects and the investigation is still active. So if anyone has any information, reach out to the Germantown police. 
See, Good Samaritan stuff, putting an end to crime everywhere. And it's funny, we get notifications in our neighborhood about all of the porch pirate incidents that take place. And uh, the one that I saw interesting today was they took the present that my sister sent me. I hope they enjoy it. It was a pair of socks from my sister. It's all she could afford to send. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, out here in the West, you stole somebody's property, like you stole a horse or you stole their cattle. That was a hanging offense. And it really, you saw a dip in crime when those type of penalties were imposed. Um, I'm not saying it needs to take place, but I'm just saying if people, um, I don't know, maybe started getting a little more severe consequence other than not getting prosecuted or a personal recognizance bond, maybe they would stop stealing people's stuff. And maybe if people could say, yes, they were stealing a pair of socks, but you know what? It was only a pair of socks that my mother or my sister uh, sent to me. That's all she could afford, and it meant a lot to her. And it's disappointing that some punk thug thought that it'd be cute to take something that wasn't theirs. And the irony of it is, my guess is that person probably would have given up those socks if the person had said, you know what, I'm really cold outside and um, I could use those pair of socks to stay warm. I almost guarantee you that person would, would have given those socks up because I think most Americans are truly caring people for people that are trying to do the right thing. You don't need to be caring when they're not doing the right thing. Next on the docket, our dumb criminal of the day. Nothing says ring in the new year than felony assault charges. That's right. An Ohio woman vacationing in Florida was arrested for striking a police officer squarely in the face with, guess what? A plastic New Year's Eve top hat. That's according to the arrest affidavit. Police were apparently at the St. Petersburg uh, restaurant uh, early yesterday investigating a report of a battery when Christy Etheridge allegedly committed a felony attack on the police officer. Police say that they were dispatched to the eatery hosting a New Year's Eve party to investigate a battery allegedly committed by Etheridge's husband. As police questioned uh, William, Christy continually interjected herself into the conversation, prompting police officer Anthony Brangano to advise her to stop talking. Oh, you don't give the hand to a woman intoxicated wanting to know what's going on. You just don't do that, officer. Not a good choice. Anyway, Miss Etheridge um, then became very upset and yelled, are you effing kidding me? Yep. And that's when she threw the plastic New Year's Eve top hat at the police officer, striking him squarely in his face, according to Officer Brangano. Now, I don't know of a good defense on this. Maybe mitigation is that, oh, you don't put your hand up and say, stop talking to me. That's not a defense. No. What that is when you throw the hat, that's assault on a peace officer. And in some jurisdictions, like in Florida, guess what? That's a felony. Can you imagine trying to explain that to future employers? Yeah, I was drunk and I was given the hand. Actually, they said, talk to the fist because the hand is angry, right? And um, I threw the top hat. Maybe I was a little intoxicated. Oh, did I did I fail to mention that uh, both Miss Edridge and her husband um, were intoxicated? And 
the uh, husband was arrested after he tried to intervene as his wife was being taken into custody. So it's a family affair. What a way to start the new year. Certainly one year that they are never going to forget. And as the police oftentimes note, there's an indication of alcohol. <laughs> Shocking. Can you believe such a thing? All right. The more things change, the more they stay the same. That's just the way it is. Anyway, uh, they both had a, a $2,650 bond. And um, like I said, the husband was also charged with battery, and he got a $650 bond because that was only resisting, which is a misdemeanor. All right. Thanks for watching. Happy New Year. We're going to get into the role of this stuff again because, wow, we just had a busy busy first couple days of the year while everybody else was off. That's right. I was traveling to make sure I was making court appearances bright and early um, across the state when there was treacherous weather going on. Courts don't care if the weather's bad. You just have to be there. The only thing that matters, ladies and gentlemen, remember this, never forget it. The only thing that matters is mission accomplishment. Nobody cares about excuses. They just want results. All right. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time on Crime Talk.